Thanks for joining us today. Today is one of the days where we get to peel back the curtain and give you some of the insider conversations that happen at Viscal. And today I have the full team with us, Megan, Jay, Tyler, and Carolina, as well as Randall. And we are going to be digging into a tasty topic. So let's jump in. Welcome to the Fork and Lens podcast, brought to you by Viscal. We have the full team with us today, and um, we're looking forward to these segments because it's us kind of giving you our opinion of different things that are happening in the creative industry and marketing, but also um, some little nuggets. Um, Some of the things that you can expect out of our team in the episodes and the seasons to come are some creative critiques. We're going to take a look at campaigns and um, that aren't from the food and beverage industry and how they actually apply to the food and beverage industry. We're going to pick them apart. What's working? What's not working? What do we think the insights were um, and how they're solving the problem? Um, So those are things that we're looking forward to. But for today, we're going to talk about killing your darlings and our team is super excited. So let's just off the bat talk about how do we define a darling in terms of design and video? Who wants to start in terms of what their definition definition is on a personal basis? Yeah, I can jump in. Um, hi, I'm Jay. <laughs> 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 um, no, I, for me, this is pretty. Uh, a pretty important thing, um, both in design and video, I work in both. And um, I've always sort of looked at it as what are sort of the trademarks of your style, um, things that you sort of go to a lot, um, that sort of almost represents, again, your style and, and sort of in, in, in your voice, your design voice. And then within video, especially, I found within editing is where a lot of my darlings pop up. Um, just the way I, the way I edit uh, interviews, the way I uh, certain kinds of shots that I like, the way I color correct. Um, these are a lot of things that end up being important to me, and I think are really relevant in terms of the final product being what it is. Um, so I, I put a lot of ownership on them, but I'll let someone else jump in. And I I agree with that. I I think it's um. I think it's interesting whenever you can you you put your kind of heart and soul into something and you believe that what you have here is perfect for the for the the project the client the cust the consumer um and then you know the the client ultimately has has the say you know we can we can fight them here and there but um you know there's always that chance that they'll come back and say that something does isn't working for them and that can be that thing that that we wanted to hold on to the most um so it can be it can be painful to to take it away that's my take on it. And that was Randall, by the way. <laughs> right, I, guess I guess I'll give it a try. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or popping Tyler's podcast cherry. <laughs> I know. I'm a little on the nervous side, but uh, it's my first recording here. Uh, but just working mainly on the design side, I'd say uh, 
like a darling to me is just something where we're so used to working in other people's kind of style guides and whatnot that when you kind of get to put your little spin on something, it just makes it sort of that much special. And when the client sort of takes to it as well and they say, wow, this is really working and they kind of want to adjust and kind of work with that as well. Like an example can be just giving them one little icon, you know, for just like a certain, you know, just anything. And then, and then they really like it and they can build off that and, you know, work on building icons for different departments and whatnot. So that's where it gets exciting when you can kind of make a difference with it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I almost couldn't have said it better myself <laughs> in, in terms of video. Cause I do video stuff, but essentially the same thing. So why do you all get so attached to these special things? Like what is the personal connection to those things? Yeah. It's sort of like an innate, it's the innate part of what we do where it's, it's, it's our specialty, I guess. Um, we're supposed to be the experts with color and fonts and photography styles, editing styles. So it's sort of who we are um, in terms of the creative parts mm-hmm. of who we are. Well, and actually who we are as people too, probably. probably bleeds into mm. our life as well. Um, but I think it's a representation almost of who we are in our voice um, and our our expertise, I guess. Our, our ego as well. Again. Our ego. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I look at it. I look at it too. Is there's there's opportunity sometimes to to push our clients uh, in in certain ways. Um, to you, you know, a lot of times we're doing campaigns that might only have a, a three month uh, flight, and um, you have the opportunity sometimes to do things that you don't want to say trendy, but are in the moment. Um, and and you know, keeping keeping up with what's happening out there. And sometimes when you're creating these campaigns, you can, you can feel really passionate about, about helping your clients get to that, to that level and in that place. Um, and, you know, and then there's just the times where they just don't, they don't grasp onto that, which is, which is fine. Um, but it can be hard for us to let it go sometimes because we want to, we want to see them be, um, you know, progressive and, and, you know, in, in the moment as well and be able to tap into that a little bit. So, um, you know, it can be hard for us, even from even from thinking f- through their shoes. You know, how could this how could this have been better, or how can we continue to push them? Um, you know, and and obviously knowing when it's okay to, to push a little harder, and when we kind of have to have to back out. It you know how many how many voices are in the room? You know, on their perspective, and and when when we you know when we can when, fight a little bit. So yeah, and I, and I don't mean to say it's just like this sort of gut feeling or, or what we like i think a lot of times we do have it backed by research and there is a reason why as well um like we're not just picking the font because it looks beautiful but we believe that it actually helps with their message and their voice and and that's pretty much everything too color photography when to cut something when to edit how to edit mm-hmm. yeah it's something that bridges the gap between what resonates with you and what the client is kind of needing and looking for that you feel strongly about and you're like this needs to happen this needs to be part of it and i know it's going to work they're going to love it <laughs> at least you're hoping i don't know it's sort of the combination of all those things and that makes it hard to let it go sometimes or just to compromise or to find you have to it's almost like you build a bridge and then you have to let someone else redesign it for you after and it just it feels weird <laughs> so okay so you put in your darlings into your work and 
you go to present it to the client. And I know that some of you have had more experience with that than others, but what's kind of your mindset then going to the client and saying, this is the work and this is why we did what we did and trying not to let them kill those darlings. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, almost to a fault, I usually try to present work that I think could go, (laughs) go to break, could go to air. But I mean, obviously that's not realistic, but you must need that sort of kind of irrational confidence to sort of sell yourself, sell your work. And, and, and I think it does help to be confident, obviously, but the reason I said to a fault is because obviously 99% of the time there's going to be changes and there's going to be edits. Um, but I think you want to believe in what you're, you're, you're pitching or, or showing. Um, so that's sort of the mindset that I take. Um, but I think the caveat there is it does set me up for a lot of, uh, heartbreak <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> but I guess we'll, we'll get to that later. The heartbreak, how to handle the heartbreak. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's an important thing is, is, you know, it can be hard, especially when you have a client that you've had for a long time, like a lot of our clients we've had for years and it can be, it can be hard to, um, to, I want to say push them, but also to, to get them out of their comfort zone a little bit, or even get ourselves out of, out of the comfort zone. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to, to, be a little bit more on the safe side sometimes and then other which is a lot of our team members um will push a little bit which is great uh to to keep to get us out of like you know we've had this client for years and it's time to help them try to do something different whether they whether they accept it or not i you have to believe that there's still some appreciation behind us trying to to you know do something new for them so it's not just the same stuff being put out all the time um but at the same time understanding the client and what their needs are um, and having a reason, like Jay was saying, having a reason behind doing what we're doing to continue to, to, uh, just move them forward. Jay, you said irrational confidence. It's like this whole business is irrational because you <laughs> come up and you deliver <laughs> your heart and soul. And then you have to like pretty much, you know, you have to rebuild everything sometimes down to absolute everything but yeah. if you're lucky you only have to do like 10 percent. <laughs> i want to touch real quick on the the mindset of like presenting work um because i feel at least i've always felt with the, my personal experiences when you're when you're trying to pitch an idea to a client that might be risky or it might be unique or might be a little bit different than they're used to um you're exposing yourself in a way that is makes you very vulnerable and um if they don't like it like that can be it can almost feel very personal like a very personal jab to to your style and the way that you work um so i think that that mindset at least i always go into it being maybe a little bit nervous but like really excited but also kind of proud but then not sure if they don't like it do they not like me you know like it i just i take my work very personally i know a lot of people here do um, and maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but uh, I, I think that that can, that exposed feeling and that vulnerable feeling can be really hard. Yeah. yeah it is really good. It is really vulnerable to, you know, to put one of your darlings out there because it really is like 80% of the time they just get shot down. And, you know, <laughs> but, but um, when they get through, that's kind of what keeps you going and that's what keeps you excited about doing what you're doing is that you get to explore these different options even if you don't go through i mean you learn something 
and you can still kind of just like tack that up on the wall and look at it later save it for another project another rainy day you know so you know there's there's positives and even the worst outcome yeah i i think it's it's been interesting for us as we've evolved too i, I think there's you know because we do um you know design photography and video and all those things can have different levels of of like i don't know risk in them you know in, in design if the client doesn't like it you just you can you can change it you know you have to take some time but sometimes when you're out shooting video or, or even photography and things i mean you only get the, the moment that you have to to shoot it and you know if the if the if you try to do something new and that's like super stylistic or you want to you just want to experience experience something new you may not have the opportunity to fix it later and it, it you know that's when it can, i think it can be the scariest is is um you know, just making sure that, that you're on board. You know, the one thing we do try to do is obviously think about those things ahead of time and, and uh, provide a little bit of, you know, mood boards or stylescapes or something that helps our clients understand where we're headed. Um, but, you know, we've had in the past where we shot something and it just didn't work. So it's, it, it can be a, it can be a challenge, it, you know, so different, different levels of things, but anytime you put your, your heart and soul into it, it can be painful <laughs> if it doesn't work. Right. So. And like, I know that as a team, the way that we approach our client relationships is trying to f find out the nuances of their businesses and their pain points and the problems that they're experiencing and what they need solutions to. So I think, you know, having that full understanding and going through a discovery process and the stylescape process that we do and those sorts of things really kind of help us at least lower that percentage chance of having a darling killed. Let's put it that way at least. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I think stylescapes, at least the way I've been approaching them, I've been throwing those in right from the, the start. Right, <laughs> um, right. So, so um, yeah, and I'll be curious to see then moving forward with them how they, if indeed the, the stylescape can help back up some of those later on, if all of a sudden they start questioning something, you'd be like, well, we've, we've all agreed upon this before that we like this little rounded corner I added to this photo. You know what I mean? So it's just... <laughs> We'll yeah. see. <laughs> but, I, but, yeah. I, but, I, but I have confidence that that's the way to, to do it. I mean, to, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, even yesterday we, we presented some stylescapes to a client and, you know, three three different stylescapes with the same image in them all edited slightly different differently. And, you know, they, they give you different moods or different feelings. And it's it's a really clear way to, to help understand where the client's head is and, and kind of what they're looking for. So um, it's definitely helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, going off of Jay's point, um, I think the the scariest um, moment in presenting work is when the client's surprised, especially when it's already completed, and and you're trying to sh show the thing that you just created, and here they're taken aback by it because they weren't prepared. So I think the best thing that we can do is is start from the beginning with our darlings and um, help them to understand it. So when it comes to the final product, they're not taken aback or kind of surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So, now I, don't, I will say, I just want to interject. There, there are times because even though we, we go through a, a very tight process, there are times when you're, you're in the editing bay or you're, you're finishing a design where, you know, it, it's in the 11th hour and you realize that there's something that's missing that you want to throw in there or you want to try. Um, and you know, we can't always prepare clients for, for moments of genius. Right. So, you know, I think there's, there's always that, that, that moment where, okay, maybe we have the safe option, but we're going to try this crazy thing just to see what happens because that might be the thing that turns them into, to like 
the best client, you know, the, the long-term client or something that they're just like, yeah, this is, thank you for thinking of this because that's, that's what we need out of our creative team. Right. So the, the whole darling situation is a creative thing. It's not just with an agency. It also can happen in house. And I think that's something really important to note. And I know Jay, you used to work in house um, for a larger organization. So a lot of these, um, issues probably came up, maybe not as frequently, but obviously you were constantly trying to push the envelope and, you know, evolve the brand and what the creative assets were that were supporting, you know, the marketing efforts. So can you enlighten us to some of those mentalities that happen internally? Yeah, well, it, yeah, I think it, it it's sort of almost, you almost have to take on this rebellious sort of, <laughs> character not in a bad way but become the 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 person well first of all you have to want to do it and enjoy it and i and i did and so there's a motivation to make the work better and to help the company um and i think if you you approach it from a standpoint of passion and and like a actual enjoyment of what you do i think it really helps sell things a lot more and, and then and then in turn becomes less rebellious. So you might be the, the person pushing the envelope, but it becomes a positive thing instead of a negative thing. But I also think, now this is my my plea to all the uh, EVPs and the uh, design managers and all these people, out there. <laughs> it, they help a lot too. If you have a really good art director or a really good creative director, or a really good vice president of, of marketing, um, they can help you too. So, you know, I mean, I don't know if we want to say names, but I mean, there's there's been people who have definitely helped push my ideas through, and and then we still have relationships with them today. And I think that sort of collaboration that started then we still have today. And I think it, it helps so much just to help push ideas through. So I think, yeah, I don't know. I think collaboration is a big part of it. Um, you can bring up really, you can push it as far as you can but it really helps them when you start getting, when you start getting other people to believe in you as well. Um, yeah. So then, so then, and that makes an in-house experience really fun. So I know in-house, you know, there's pros and cons. There's always a debate from a creative standpoint, but I think there's a ton you can do in-house and I loved it. And I still love working really closely with in-house teams. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Okay. So, Obviously, it's an issue that you can experience in-house or working with an agency or even a freelancer for, for that matter. So what are some of the personal experiences you all have had where you have been married to your work and then a client or someone above you just gives you feedback that you're just like, no, I don't want to go backwards on this and I don't want to look at it from a different perspective? Tyler has a graveyard of logos. <laughs> Poor Tyler. <laughs> yeah, it's almost as if uh, you know people know I'm doing it. They just want automatically are like, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, but I, I save them, tack them up with your wall. Like I said, you know, you still learn. You learn from everything. Um, and just even all those reps that you're doing just make you better. You know, one day one's going to catch on. You know, I'll get one of them in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but it also just shows 
the client just like that you're trying you know you, you're trying you know and that that's all you can do at the end of the day just do your best yeah yeah, yeah i do think the client oh, sorry you can go Caroline. uh i think working in video it's a lot more challenging to completely scrap a project uh, like entirely um like you can with design so a lot of times those just instead of becoming a little graveyard of designs they become problems that you have to solve creatively. You have to think of how do you take this footage and turn it into something else, or how do I transform this to say the same messaging or to change it to whatever they want to fix it. So it's instead of, you do start over, but you're also working with a weird base that you now have to, <laughs> now you just have more puzzle pieces to, to sort through and, and work through. Yeah, I, I agree with I agree a lot with with Caroline on there. I mean, there's there's a lot, especially in video and photography and stuff. Kind of once it's once it's shot, you gotta you know if they don't like it, you gotta figure out how to fix it, or you might have to reshoot it if you if there's that opportunity. But um, you know, I think even small things in, in editing. I know I know uh, Jay deals with this a lot, but we you know we always try to interject these little moments of of realism into into our videos, and um, they're generally the things that get cut first. But you know, to us, those are darlings because it's like, man, that was the part that made it feel real you know if you're in an interview with somebody and you hear laughing or even you we kind of break that that third wall and and you know they're hearing the the interviewee uh talk to or the interviewer talk to the interviewee you know from behind the camera and it's those it's those little moments that sometimes can add so much uh you know feeling and realism to it uh but they get cut almost all the time <laughs> but um you know that's an interesting thing that we're we deal with qu quite a lot and um you know again it's just trying to us to get to push a little more emotion into the into the piece yeah, it's weird because in the, that exact instance, it's almost become our calling card for the people that love it. It's it's they they love it. You know what I mean? And and I think it's something that not a lot of people would be willing to try and do, um, and that leads to a lot more work. The the clients that don't, luckily, it's easy to just not put it in. So I think it's it's mm -hmm. it's it's almost easier at times to do the safe thing, but it's you know. <laughs> That goes with it. I think I just said the obvious. It's it's harder to do the scarier thing, <laughs> but I think we're willing to do the scarier thing. I think the payoff for it is it's definitely worth it. Um, yeah. But yeah, and 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 when they do take it away, the only real you know hiccup is your your personal you know ego. But yeah. <laughs> luckily, luckily, the ability just to like make it right is is you know again easy. Um, yeah, and, and then. To Tyler's point with the with the reps, I think that's a really big thing. I think sometimes you, you'll do something and it's really amazing and you'll almost be the fulfillment of doing it and proving that you could do it or that you figured it out is almost enough, even if the client doesn't like it. Um, it still made you realize, oh, wow, I did a new style or that was just a beautiful way I handled the text there, you know? Um, and then you can continue to apply that just to your your arsenal so yeah um it definitely you definitely grow from it no matter what yeah just the rest yeah you do I, it I like it, that. it does make you feel good when you made something that you were like really in love with because mm -hmm. to make something that you actually really like is really tough for me like everything you know it's really <laughs> really tough for me to like really really love it and be totally fine with it i always kind of find flaws in it or uh, you know, but I forgot where I was going. 
important though. It's so important to like to have those projects to to accomplish that because it ultimately helps whatever the next project is, whoever the next client is at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 I I love I I just just to hit on Tyler's note there of you know, about always going back and looking at stuff. I think, you know, being in the creative industry, that's one of the hardest parts of our job is, is theoretically nothing ever needs to be done, um, like completely finished or whatever can be, you know, it can always be this little bit better or whatever. And, you know, I've equated it to, you know, building a cabinet or something. You can, you can build a cabinet and you can make an absolutely beautiful cabinet, but at some point you paint it and the thing is done forever. I mean, you're never going to go back to it. Whereas is in our, in our world, you could always tweak something and, and you could get the same, footage from a shoot and, and three people on our team would edit it completely differently. Um, and it could all be slightly, mostly in the same vein, but it's going to have those little nuances that are different. That's kind of what I love about working with the team and, and being here is, is there's things that Jay or Carolina or Tyler would do. Um, and, and even Megan, when we're, you know, communicating with clients and things like, Oh, I wouldn't have thought to do it that way, but that was awesome. Like, I, you know, I love, I love that, that we all think a little bit differently. Um, and I think that really pulls together some of those, some of those challenges and the darling that I have, you know, you guys may not care about, but you might have a darling of your own in the, within the same project. And that's, that's where it can be, it can be a challenge because then we have to talk each other into or out of our darlings. And so it's, and then we have to pitch it to the client as well. So that's where it can be, it can be a, a challenge. So that brings up an interesting topic. How does collaboration kind of play into the darlings and balancing everyone's out for that matter? Does that help to protect us? from having to kill our darlings all the time, especially facing the client? Or is it something that, um, you know, almost becomes a roadblock before the next roadblock? Well, I think it's the first line of defense, sort of. I think it's the first filter. Um, and, and I find it to be the easier filter because we're all speaking the same language and we're all in the same mind space. Um, we're, we're not, we're, we're willing to be more honest and blunt quicker than a client sort of tries to like skirt around it and sort of not really know how to say it or, you know, whereas we can just sort of say, I see what you're doing here, but I don't think we need it right now, you know, or I, I love this style, but I don't think it's working here. You know, it's just a lot quicker. And I, but I think it's really important because I think, again, it's so easy to get stuck in your style, your, the things you like and then just immediately go to those all the time so just having someone quickly who's beside you that knows that about you you know they can quickly spot it and, and say yay or nay if, you know if it's working here or not i think um, that that's where yeah. constructive criticism comes into play too i think it's important that if something is working um someone should say why it's working or if something is not working it's important to say why it's not so that you can kind of actually direct your darlings to where they need to be, um, or at least add that personal style or that personal flavor um, in a way that's applicable to whatever the project is. Yeah, I agree. That that's sort of um, that's a better way of saying it. Like uh, the the client, we can't rely on the client to give us that technically appropriate response that we you know they're going to say it more in a way that sounds we're going to leave and say that that was the worst comment i've ever heard in my life or, or <laughs> they, they don't know what they're talking about you know but it's because they're not trained in this they're not they're not supposed to be the experts they're just going to sort of say it the way a person outside the industry would say it you know so i think 
the more constructive you can get earlier on, I think the safer you'll be in presenting it. And I think we, we know how to be constructive. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some clients are really savvy. I'm not saying all clients, you know, but we shouldn't expect every client just to know our language, you know. No, I think at the end of the day, the goal is always the same is to have, you know, creative that is above the bar and super high quality but that also serves the purpose of addressing the pain points and the business problem that we're trying to solve for the client in a creative manner. You know, at the end of the day, they're looking for a return on their investment and investing in the creative, but also, you know, hitting their metrics that they're required to meet in house. Um, So everyone's under the same gamut of pressures. I think it just manifests itself differently and we're all kind of attached to different pieces of that pie, if you will as we yeah. try to come to a solution. I'd say it's easier to let go of your darlings when you kind of remind yourself of the end goal and that's to, you know, serve the client's need and make them happy, uh, you know, and just keep that good relationship going. Mm-hmm. So I think when you, when you think of that, you can, you can look and just say, you know, I really, I did a really good job on that. They don't like it and that's okay, but we're going to, we're going to give them exactly what they want at a very high quality. Um, and I think that's where you can still feel good at the end of the day. They're happy. You're happy. And you're done working for the moment. <laughs> well, and, and I, I, on that note, and, and kind of going back to what Jess said too, I, I think there's always those things like darlings can come up not just in, in the, the the feasible darling that where we're just we're trying to push something that we know they actually can do. Sometimes there's those things that come up, especially if it's a commercial or something. We have this, they, you know, they give us this pitch. We have our budget. We know exactly, you know, what what the brief says to do. Um, and there's, you know, we could come up with this perfect thing that we know the client would love. But from an ROI perspective, it's just not going to work for them. They, you know, this, this initiative doesn't, you know, they're not going to spend that much on this initiative or something. And sometimes it can be hard to let those things go because you're like, it's the perfect thing. And we know that they would love it and they probably do love it. You know, sometimes we'll actually bring them up kind of in, in passing. Um, but then there's that, you just got to let it go and move on to something that we can actually feasibly do within the, the time constraint, the budget constraint, whatever the constraint is, um, and uh, I think t- to me, that's one of the hardest ones because you know everybody loves it and you want to do it and yet we can't, you know. And oftentimes the client has their own darlings too. And and we have to remember that ultimately we're doing the work for the client and yeah. we have to prioritize those as painful as that can sometimes be. But I think a lot of us and a lot of creatives in general also do work outside of their nine to five job. And I think that that's where I have manifested a lot of the darlings that I've come up with um, in my own personal work because no one can tell me no. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, those little pet projects that allow you to kind of, you know, do what you want to do and not have someone else's opinion filtering it. Well, great. Thanks, guys. And we will talk to all of you later. And we hope you have a great day. Take care. See ya. Thank you so much for joining us today for our little peek behind the curtain of Viscal and some of the internal conversations that we have 
We're so excited that you decided to join us. If you enjoyed today, please feel free to hit subscribe below. We would love to have you join us on this journey to bring you more content of behind the scenes as well as some of the things that are happening in the industry and guests. Um, until next time, take care.